What number is this, Chip? Episode 36. Mickey, Minions, and more. Oh, my. Mickey. Minions and more. And more. Oh, my. Mickey, Minions, and more. Oh, my. Mickey, Minions, and more. Oh, my. Mickey, Minions, and more. Okay, you don't, mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. familiar music you're listening to zilch and today i'm joined by jeff geringer what a pleasure to sit in with ken and jeff in the morning ken and jeff in the morning or the evening or whenever you may be listening yes whenever and wherever you're listening hello we call this the simian zoo the simian zoo simian monkeys yes there we go very good very good well it seems like there's never a dull moment in monkey land right jeff Boy, you know, you think it starts getting quiet, and now we're kind of in a downtime before the 50th anniversary, but no. Yeah, for a show that's been off the air for a while, boy, it just keeps tripping and bubbling back up, whether it be the music, live performances, or what. It seems like the Minions are Monkeys fans. Check this out. Isn't that great? I love that version. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It, I wonder if if the you know since the lyrics aren't actually being used, if anyone's getting paid for that. But uh. <laughs> oh, in this litigious world, I'm sure someone has their hand out. Yeah, absolutely. But, Hopefully, uh, it's Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. Yeah. So, how soon before Mickey says that he sang that song before the Minions did? <laughs> Very good, Ken. I, uh, knowing Mickey, it'll be. Next. Mickey, I just wrote you something for your next interview. Feel free to use it. Well, I guess it's time to check into the monkey's mailbag. Ready? There you go. P.O. Box well, it's been a while since we've done a monkey's mailbag, but this one's kind of special. I got this email over at our email address, which is zilchmonkeys at gmail.com. That zilchmonkeys is one word. If you'd like to send us an email, you can also get a hold of us here on Facebook or find us on the Twitter universe. Hi, all the Zilch podcast people. So, Jeff, I guess that's you and Melanie and Craig and Jeff and everybody. Hi, all the Zilch podcast people. My monkey fan friend told me all about your fantastic podcast about 10 days ago. She had already assumed that I knew about your monkey's podcast, but because I do not have a Facebook account, it seems like I am always the last person to get any information. I have started listening from episode zero, and I've done nothing but that in the last 10 days. Sometimes I get so tired from my work at the end of the day, I listen to a Zilch podcast before I go to bed and I missed the last half of the episode so I have to go back and start listening again which I don't mind because your podcast is great thank you yeah that's very nice thank you very much Misaro that's great 
Masaru goes on to say, I am a Japanese monkey fan since 1980. I live in Japan, and I still hang around with my monkeys fan friends. We have established a Davy Jones Memorial Park Bench project. We finished it on December 2014. It is located near the Tokyo Tower. And we're going to put links in the show notes about this. And there's actually a YouTube clip that we will be posting as well. Miyasaro goes on to say, Some of us are going to New York to attend Davy's Memorial Tree Celebration. Unfortunately, I'm not included. But here's a movie made by the lovely leader of the team of the Red Maracas, our Japanese monkeys fan group that's a pretty cool name for a fan group wouldn't you say that is i like it that's very cool the red maracas the red maracas red maracas so mirasara thank you for emailing us and taking the time to monkey around with us here at zilch we're glad that you're listening you know what's great about the japanese fans my goodness since 1980 it has been a a treasure trove of great outstanding rare monkeys things you know mm-hmm. back in in 1980 daydream believer was used in a commercial and then mickey and davy and peter all went to japan to perform solo and they started re-releasing monkeys albums like crazy and this was before the internet and before youtube it was the only way we could get some of these recordings was to send our international money order to japan and have it come back about a month later but it was so exciting and thanks to the Japanese people for always keeping the monkeys right up front excellent Miyasaro signs off with Miyasaro the hare from Japan and then I contacted Miyasaro and told them that I was going to read this on the air and they came back and said you may have guessed that my name came from honey and the bear we just switched the B and the H sound around and I and that became my rabbity name so there we go. Miyasaro the hare. So that's where that came from. So we'd like to say hello to everybody out there in the Red Maracas and all of our Japanese fan. We are glad that you are here. And since Miyasaro mentioned the Davy Memorial Tree Celebration, let's turn on the Zilch Hotline and speak to Fred Velez. Hello. And now, over on the Zilch Hotline, we bring back our intrepid reporter, our man about Manhattan. He's always monkeying around, Fred Velez. Welcome to the show once again, Fred. Hey, Ken. Hi, Jeff. How you doing, everybody? Hello, Fred. We're doing great. So glad to have you back on the show. So I understand you were recently at the Davy Tree Ceremony at Sardi's. Can you tell us all about it? Certainly. The ceremony was held on June 21st of this year. The main ceremony took place at the world-famous Sardi's Restaurant on Broadway. Fred, can you tell me why this tree ceremony is so important to fans of Davy? It's a remembrance of Davy when he was in New York, when he was on Broadway. Jody Proeta was one of the people who put this event together to commemorate Davy in on Broadway. That's why it was held on at Sardi's. And also to have a sort of living memorial to him in New York City, a, a city which he obviously had a great affection for. Correct. It's my understanding that while performing in Oliver, Davy would sometimes take a break and go and sit by this tree, which was a bit of tranquil peace in the bustling New York City. Would you agree, Fred? You know, obviously New York is different today than it was back in the 60s. It was probably much more quieter back then, but looking at the area, I could see why Davy liked it. I'm sure it reminded him of wooded areas in Manchester, England, with, you know, in his home. So I think that was part of it. It was a wonderful event. It was a full house. 
guest speakers like Dr. Kathy McCoy, who told this wonderful and endearing story about interviewing Davey when he was an Oliver and how she uh, had very little experience interviewing. She actually broke down crying during the interview and Davey comforted her. And uh, she interviewed him years later and asked him, do you remember me? I'm the one who broke down crying on the, during our interview. So th that was a very endearing uh, moment. Uh, we had Kathy Whitehead, who had just recently purchased Davey's church in Beavertown with the intent of uh, completing Davy's dream of turning it into a monkeys museum and community center. So she was there. Chris Pick performed his Davy tribute, Finally Free, which was absolutely wonderful. Then I was up next and I told my stories from my book. Then I gave a little toast to Davy, which everybody reciprocated, which was very... John Rajinsky and Paul Venturi of the Monkey Files came on and did several uh, monkey songs, including Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow, and Cuddly Toy, among many. Dave Alexander came on and joined them and performed a bit as well, including doing uh, the song Girl, which, you know, is from the Brady Bunch episode. Mm -hmm. our, our friend Valerie Kears uh, Venet, an actress on The Monkey Show, came on and introduced as a special surprise guest Buffy Ford Stewart, the widow of John Stewart, who wrote Daydream Believer. And, of course, the song Daydream Believer was written about her. Yes, it was. And she performed a small set of her of her husband's songs and her own songs. And she was wonderful. And then uh, she was joined by the Monkey Files uh, to do a very emotional rendition of Daydream Believer. And then after the event at Sardis wound up, uh, everybody trooped over to uh, Central Park. We all uh, met at the tree is is supposedly the tree that Davy Jones used to hang out by during his during his tenure in Oliver. So and we everybody when we got there took pictures and uh, and we then we ended the ceremony with Dave Alexander leading us in another rendition of Daydream Believer. Fantastic. So it was it was a great day. Uh, everybody had a great time and it was a nice way of remembering Davy. It was a bit of sadness there because we're you know it's a kind of melancholy and bittersweet. We love Davy, we miss him. But it was nice to remember him on this day and remember the good times and to remember what an impact he had on Broadway in New York City. It was fun. It was sad, but it was fun at the same time. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that everybody was able to celebrate this moment and enjoy the, the time with one another and celebrate Davy's life. Right, exactly. And since you're in New York, you recently got to see Mickey Dolan's on Broadway. Could you give yeah. us a quick review on that? Yes, I can. Mickey did a uh, three-night residency, 54 Below. It's a club that is actually below the original uh, Studio 54 uh, disco club, which is now a Broadway theater. And there's a lot of cabaret acts that formed there. And Mickey did his own cabaret act. This is the first time he did cabaret. He had a great band behind him. Uh, his wife Donna was there, and Jim Kerr was there, who introduced Mickey. Jim Kerr is a uh, well-known DJ in New York City. And among the special guests when I was there on, on July 11th was Peter Asher of Peter and Gordon fame. Mickey came on. Uh, the band actually played uh, as, his as the intro a bit of Tony Basil's hit, Mickey. <laughs> and so that was fun. And Mickey came on and did D.W. Washburn, which was very... Apropos, as the show is titled, a little bit Broadway, a little bit rock and roll, and that song fit both categories. And Mickey did some Broadway tunes, Don't Be the Bunny, from the show You're in Town, and from Chicago, he did Mr. Cellophane. 
and he showed his acting prowess in both songs. With the the Bunny song, he played it very sleazy and nasty, but Mr. Cellophane, he was very vulnerable and uh, melancholy on it, and it and it just showed his different the different ways he could perform a song. Carol King currently has a Broadway show called Beautiful that's playing. And Mickey performed a couple of Carol King songs, including As We Go Along from the movie Head and Pleasant Valley Sunday later on. And then he told his, uh, his famous story of going to the Beatles recording sessions and John Lennon calling him Monkey Man. Uh-huh. And then he did his uh, a blistering version of Oh Darling, the, the great Beatles song from the Abbey Road album. And then he told his great story about his parents who were both actors and, and how his father used to go walking around the apartment singing some enchanted evening from uh, the movie from the the show south pacific and then mm-hmm. mickey did his own version which was very heartfelt and beautiful and then the musical director of the show michael j moritz jr uh, said we're going to do something a little different now we're going to do the next song the next monkey song but we're going to do it broadway style so they slowed it up did it a little campy and they did a jazzed up version i'm a believer Mm. Which, was, which was very funny because Mickey was going like all campy and everything with it. Uh, and then they said, okay, enough of that. And then they did the, the song proper. And Mickey did, of course, his intro saying, and I did this before Shrek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Soon he'll be saying that about the Minions. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. He led the crowd into Daydream Believer, which was very, very beautifully done. And, uh, and everybody joined him on the chorus. So it was, and it was a nice tribute to Davy, and and at the end of the song he saluted to the ceiling, acknowledging Davy, which is very nice. And then one of the other songs he did from Broadway was one of the good guys from the song from the show Closer Than Ever, which he dedicated to his wife Donna. He did Going Down, you know, and he did a fantastic version of that. And then for the encore, he did a lovely and beautiful version of Pure Imagination from the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Wow. And that was a very nice way of ending the show. Now, the show that I attended was recorded and is going to be released on CD in September when Mickey does his return engagement to 54 Below. So the CD will be available at the club. And it's available now on, uh, on BroadwayRecords.com. If you go on there and you look up Mickey's CD, it's available on pre-sale right now, so you get it pretty cheap if you order it now. Excellent. And it will be available when Mickey's there when he returns in September. All right, Fred. We look forward to hearing more updates from you, and thank you for being our monkey man on the scene in Manhattan. My pleasure. Take care, guys. Take care, Jeff. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Thanks so much, Fred. You know, you're you're every monkey's fan's best friend. You've been involved in the conventions for 30 years, and you always have the backs of all the monkey fans. And I, I just hope that people can enjoy Davy's Tree for decades to come. And before we get into the rest of the show, something that's really been very cool is that a lot of people have been getting their Mickey Dolan's MGM Singles albums. Have you been seeing this phenomenon? I have. In fact, I'm, I'm one of the headshots that's featured on the website. <laughs> Excellent. We'll have to look for you. A lot of people have been taking the album cover and putting it over their faces, over their heads, and snapping a selfie. And it's just really cool to see all the people who have been sending in these Mickey selfies, if you will, including Mickey Dolenz himself. So Yeah, that was the coolest part when we saw the, that trademark hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trip. And here's a commercial we have for 
this wonderful product. And again, any ads that air on Zilch are not things that we're making any money off of. Just things that we want you to know about because we feel that you want to know about them. Things that you might be interested in. So take it away. Hello, monkey fans around the world. This is Ian Lee, and I'm gently kissing your ears as you listen to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. 7A Records is proud to present Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection, available for pre-order on Amazon and Amazon UK. Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection will be released on July 13th. This initial vinyl pressing is limited to 450 copies. Get yours now. This beautiful package and a gatefold sleeve features an exclusive Mickey Dolan's interview. A gorgeous 12-page booklet with previously unseen Henry Dilt's pictures and blue 180-gram vinyl. Even if you don't have a record player, this is simply stunning. Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection is a must-have for serious collectors. Available from 7A Records and Entertainment. Jeff, you recently got to interview Mickey Dolan's once again. And I understand you're going to favor us with that recording. Ken, you're right. I had a, I've had the chance to interview Mickey a few times over the years, and no matter how, how old I get, I still get stupidly giddy when I have a chance to interview one of the monkeys. You know, I, in radio, uh, we've interviewed everyone from James Stewart to Carol Burnett, but when you, you get these people that I enjoyed as a kid, I, I was a blithering idiot for Alan Hale Jr., <laughs> who was the skipper on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. I was an idiot for David Cassidy. It's just so funny, and even on this uh, telephone interview with Mickey as professional as he was with me sometimes I ask questions and I think what? What was I doing? But this was uh, aired on KSPA radio in the Inland Empire in California he had just done a casino tour he was getting ready to at the time prepare his cabaret concert at 54 Below but it's fun to hear him talk about some of the things that we all Monkeys fans are talking about in 2015 Well let's check that interview out now <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to Inland Empire Close-Up. I'm Jeff Geringer. This week, our guest is truly the man who was the soundtrack of my generation, Mickey Dolans from the Monkees. He's been entertaining fans for 49 years now, and if you want to feel old, the Monkees turned 50 in 2016. He tours around the country and going to England um, in the fall uh, with a great monkey show, and he also does solo concerts, and he's gotten into cabaret performing at 54 Below in New York City. So we have a lot to talk about, and it's always a thrill to speak to one of my idols, and here he is, Mickey Dolans. Mickey, it's been great to be here in San Diego in the Inland Empire. You've come out twice this year so far. We we had a great monkey show in April. Thank you, by the way. It was wonderful. Oh, thank you. And a solo concert at a San Diego casino. It's it's great to see you out fronting the band. Well, uh, you know, the uh, because of the fact that I I sang ninety percent, I guess, or the majority of the songs, the hit songs. Um, so, from my perspective, uh, it's not not a lot of difference. Um, uh, in my solo show, I tend to weave in, you know, if if I do any non-monkey stuff, I, te- I, I tend to weave in, uh, you know, stuff that uh, influenced me, songs that had some impact on me or 
uh, you know, influenced my career or something. Like, for instance, I do um, uh, uh, Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry because that was my audition piece for the Monkees. And so I tell that story and, and do Johnny Be Good, or I'll, I, I sometimes do a tune, uh, <coughs> a Beatle tune uh, that uh, I do because I was at uh, the session at Abbey Road Studios, and I tell that story. And But besides that, I do all the big hits, you know, uh, Clarksville, Believer, Pleasant Valley Sunday, and I have multimedia little presentation, you know, that's focused a little bit more on 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 just me and my solo stuff and the uh, the monkey show and uh, the monkey uh, rest of the guys. Right. What's nice too is that you've got two recent solo albums, uh, King for a Day and Remember, where you can pull and play some of those tracks for the audience. And I do. Yes, I do. Um, and uh, thank you for mentioning them. <laughs> Little plug. Um, and and currently I'm in New York uh, on my way. Actually, on my way back to L.A. I'm doing a. Uh, a show here in a couple of weeks at, uh, at a club called 54 Below, and we're recording yet a, a new CD. Oh, outstanding. Now, you're also uh, presenting some of the shows, that, uh, music that you've done on Broadway. Here in Southern California, you came through with Pippin and with Aida, although no one warned us that in Aida, you die. Your, yeah, ca your character I, I dies. Was that was kind of hard to watch your monkey favorite die on stage, but hey. <laughs> Boy, what a great show that was. Ugh. It was. I really enjoyed that. So show. tell us about the cabaret show that you're working on in New York. We don't get a chance to see it out here, but maybe with successfulness, it'll it'll come this area. Well, I hope so too. It's called a little bit Broadway, a little bit rock and roll, and um, that's exactly what it is. It's uh, you know I over the years and now having done a lot of musical theater, I've I realized uh, you know at at a certain point that the Monkees was a lot like. Uh, uh, a little bit of musical theater on television. If you think about it, it was much more like, say, the Marx Brothers, one of their movies, than than it was the Beatles. Um, and the Marx Brothers did those those musical movies, and on stage they did those uh, those musicals on stage. Um, and and that's what the Monkees was. It was a little singing, little dancing, little comedy, little shtick, <laughs> you know, some songs, and uh, so. I guess I've been uh, d doing it now for a long, long time. And um, so a producer, actually, a, uh, a guy that uh, is a Broadway producer and also a, um, uh, has a record company called Broadway Records. He, um, he asked me, he said, I, I think we could put together a really interesting cabaret show um, and record it. And, uh, you know, you do a little bit, little bit of Broadway, a little bit of rock and roll. There's one song that we had that I sang... Uh, called D.W. Washburn, which went top 20 back in the 60s. And that, that was the uh, Lieber and Stoller, right? Lieber and Stoller, and then, of course, that went on to be in the, the show Smokey Joe's Cafe. Um, a big treat in the shows that you brought through the last few years has been the addition of your sister Coco. Um, my mm -hmm. word, she's tremendous. Uh, I love oh, the boy. duet. In fact, you, you sang a duet version of Crying in the Rain on your most uh, recent solo CD. What's it yep. like having her back on stage with you? Because she, she did some of the early <laughs> Monkey songs, too, didn't she? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She sang backgrounds on early monkey stuff, and then post monkeys we recorded together and went out on the road actually with with davy and uh um, and so she's always been a, a part of my certainly my solo show and a part of my life and yeah, we do our uh, crying in the rain all the time. 
tell me about the the stage antics. You know, so much of the monkeys has been focused on the music, but you know, twenty minutes of every episode was the improvisation and the the clever repartee between you guys and the and the characters. The fact that you and Peter now uh, touring seem to do much more comedy on stage is that a conscious effort on your part? No, but it's never been a conscious one not to do it either. It's uh, <clears throat> it's sort of uh, just the way it. It falls together, you know, the, the way the personalities mix. Uh, obviously, uh, there was the original uh, four of us, and in the original tour, we, we frankly couldn't do too much talking or shtick because uh, the arenas were just too big, and, uh, and, the, and the little kids at 10, 12 years old just, just were screaming, you know, uh, up for the whole show, so it wouldn't have mattered if we if we did say anything. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have been able to really hear it. But over the years, of course, the audiences uh, they, they grow up and they're not quite as quite as screaming all the time. So you have the ability to to say something and to do some shtick between between us. Um, and it's always been just sort of how we felt. It was never never been a choreographed sort of directed scripted thing at all but over the years with david and peter and i in the 80s we had we did quite a bit of uh well i don't want to say scripted but it was a little more uh planned a little more you know uh thought out and then at times we wouldn't we, we, we wouldn't do any um and then uh when david and i would go out solo there'd be that dynamic and then when mike and peter and i uh, went out a couple of years ago that that became a different dynamic and now with Peter and I, and this is the first time that Peter and I have done uh, a show, just the two of us. Um, and that's interesting and, and creating yet a different dynamic. And for fans that haven't seen it, you, you get a, a chance to do an acoustic set, which is something fans have all been waiting for because it's, it's casual and there's time for you guys to screw around and have fun with each other. Yeah, and that we haven't done since, wow, I think we haven't done it, uh, an unplugged, kind of an unplugged set um, since uh, David, uh, since we did shows with David, uh, you know, a decade ago. And I'm really enjoying that part of it. Yeah, getting back and, and doing that is becoming great fun. Fans of yours that not only enjoy the concerts but want a piece of your hard work, you have a tremendous thing going on with your daughter called Dolan's and Daughter's Fine Furniture. Tell us about, about how that started and what a joy to be able to work with your daughter. Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, it's one of the best things I've, I've ever done. I've always done uh, that sort of work. I've always had a workshop. And I just never, very public about it, it was never a business at, at all. It was literally, uh, my man cave is a full-blown uh, woodworking shop. Um, and always has been for, for decades. Um, and I just, what I do when I get off the road or when I get off uh, doing what I do in showbiz, I, that's what I do. I go into my shop and build them. And... Um, my daughter, uh, Georgia, the, the, the one you're referencing, she took a theater degree in um, uh, England. And part of the theater degree is you learn how to build sets. So she learned how to use tools and uh, was very good at it. It was very adept. And uh, we were just in my shop one day a couple of years ago building a, actually a, a coffee table for a friend of hers for a birthday present. And uh, I joked and said, you know, we should start a company, Dolan's and Daughters Fine Furniture. And she just ran with it. She did the website, and a week later we had a shopping cart and a couple of items for sale, and we got all these orders. 
In fact, at one point, it was just before I was going to go on tour, and at one point she had to, to take down the shopping site and with a note that said, we, 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 um, we have to stop taking orders because Daddy's going on tour. <laughs> <laughs> It's really great. And the, the items, I mean, it goes from a, a nice picture frame to a you know complete wardrobe. I mean, you, you do the whole gamut. Yeah, we have, uh, uh, I don't know, six, eight uh, items now and adding more all the time. Um, uh, but they're all, you know, it's, it's very specific stuff. It's, it's high-end. It's all handmade uh, by us. And they're all signed and numbered, you know, so, and, you know, mostly it's obviously uh, certainly started out being monkey fans. We've never advertised except on, on my social media. So, uh, you know, I would think the majority of, the, of the, uh, our customers are, are monkey fans. But, you know, eventually it has gotten out to a little bit of a wider uh, demographic. And as a father with a daughter, what a joy to be able to, to work with your daughter like uh, that. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It really is really amazing. Heading back now. I'll be in the shop tomorrow. Attaboy. Uh, you know, I've seen you at the end of concerts and stuff, meeting the fans, and it's always great to see their faces and the joy that you have been able to bring to them. Is there a performer or an artist that has touched you the way that, you know, you and the Monkees have touched so many fans? Is there one that, that got to you? Well, a, a few. I mean, the Beatles, for starters, but, but or even earlier than that, that. I saw him in concert just a couple of months ago. It was Johnny Mathis? He uh, and I've met him after the show, like a, a little, like a little fumbling kid. <laughs> and I said <clears throat> at the meet and greet, and I said, "Oh my God, I'm I'm such a huge fan. You're the first album I ever bought. <laughs> it's true. My the first album that I ever remember buying was Johnny Mathis, and uh, so he had a, a big influence on me as a vocalist." And still sounds amazing. At I think he's eighty. Oh. He's amazing. Oh, unbelievably sounds good. Still sounds good. Mickey, with the fiftieth anniversary of the Monkees coming up next year, which is so hard to believe, um, if there were no limitations, how would you like to celebrate it? Would you like a big concert, a TV special, maybe a Broadway show like the Rascals did, a PBS special? What What's the best way well, that you'd like to celebrate? I, uh, it, it, you know, uh, the short answer would be all of it. You know, whatever we can manage to get together and do. Um, it's not just up to us, of course. It's up to the other powers that be and the forces and the record company and the producers and the TV. You know, there's there's not really a sort of a monkey organization. There never has been um, after the show went off the air because when the show went off the air, the production company, Raybert Productions, d dissolved, uh, and they went on and started doing other stuff. Uh, <clears throat> and the record company still kept the catalog, but... There wasn't a, a monkey mechanism uh, after that point, um, and never has been to this day. It's it's um, not like, say, Apple was to the Beatles or the Stones had a management company or, you know, something of that nature. Uh, so uh, up until this day, even, uh, uh, when anybody wants to do something monkey-wise, they have to track us down, find <laughs> each of us in individually and you know similar to the way that <clears throat> say if paramount pictures decides they want to make another star trek movie um uh, you know the, the original production company doesn't exist anymore and they have to call J uh, bill shatner's agent and all the agents of the various characters and try to make a deal and so it's a similar thing with with, with us with the monkeys sure
Uh, Mickey, you did an interview recently with Uncut Magazine, which is in the UK, and you talked about some unreleased recordings that are still in the vault. Uh, do you like it when they, when record companies scour through and find things that weren't supposed to be released and then release them, or do you enjoy the? Well, in our case, in, in our case, the stuff you're talking about, it isn't stuff that wasn't supposed to be released. It's stuff that never got a chance to be released because uh, the filming of the television show required so much material. They wanted two or three d songs in every week, and. So they started going out to all the producers and saying, you know, start making tracks, start making tracks. And uh, a ton of it was released. But then, like I say, the show went off the air. Uh, uh, Davey and uh, we released, I think, maybe two more albums. And that basically was the end of the run. And it was only recently that I found out that there was all these tracks, and, and very few of them complete. You know, some of them only like demos, and some of them a little bit more, a little bit more uh, thought out, a uh, little bit more uh, finished. No, none of them were finished masters. Some of them don't even have vocals on them, or only a scratch vocal, or just the idea of a vocal. Uh, I was fascinated by it. So, like I say, it wasn't stuff that was never intended to to be released. It just, frankly, the, the uh, it just never got around to it before the project, you know, um, was over. Well, so I don't know. I'm going to listen to stuff and see if there's any uh, any potential, any possibilities and things like that. And so we'll see if we, uh, if we come up with something. Well, the producer of your current Monkey Show, Andrew Sandoval, certainly is the god of the unreleased recordings. Yeah, he certainly is. He has managed to find some really amazing, not only recordings, but... Um, uh, video stuff and film stuff and you know if it wasn't for him boy I'm telling you a lot of that stuff would be gone without question thank God for him Mickey let me ask you one last question you know when people talk about your music so many of them call it you know the soundtrack of your lives I know your music has touched my heart it must be just tremendous to have this gift that you've been able to share for 50 years now well I feel blessed obviously and always have, and you know, but it has to be said, I was surrounded by, you know, pretty amazing uh, support system and musicians and singers and directors and writers. And, you know, when you have songwriters like uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin and Boyce and Hart and Diane Hildebrand and Paul Williams and Harry Nielsen and, uh, you know, Neil Sadaka, and it's <laughs> kind of tough to go wrong, <laughs> you know. Sure. And then you have the incredible producers like Boyce and Hart and Jeff Berry and, you know, all those amazing musicians from, you know, besides the four of us, uh, the Wrecking Crew, you know. And on this one song, in fact, that I'm doing in, in my uh, New York show uh, from the movie Head that Jack Nicholson and us wrote, um, Carol King wrote an amazing song called As We Go Along. And on that track is Neil Young and Ry Cooter. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for taking time with us. You know, you're, you're the soundtrack of our generation, and, and your voice is such an important part of our, our lives and our soul and our heart, and I, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. Thank you very much, sir. Mickey Dolans, thank you so much for joining us on Inland Empire Close-Up. I'm Jeff Geringer on AM 1510 KSPA. 
thank you, Jeff Carringer, for sharing that interview with us. It's always great to hear from Mickey, and we look forward to see what's coming up the rest of the year. And speaking of what's coming up the rest of the year, let's flip this over to Melanie Mitchell, who will bring us the Monkeys Concert Calendar. This is Melanie Mitchell with your Monkeys Concert Calendar. July 31st, the Monkeys will be in Nashville, Tennessee. August 1st, St. Louis, Missouri. And then they'll take a few weeks off and resume August 27th in Morristown, New Jersey, followed by August 28th in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, August 29th in Westbury, New York. Then they'll fly across the pond to do two shows in the United Kingdom. We have September 4th in London and September 6th at the Mosley Folk Festival in Birmingham. And then later on, we're going to have Mickey doing his solo show, a little bit Broadway, a little bit rock and roll. September 25th and 26th in New York City, and October 15th in Niagara Falls, New York. Shoe Suede Blues is going to be doing three appearances, October 2nd in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, and October 3rd and 4th in Edgewood, Maryland. And I'm Melanie Mitchell, and that was your Monkeys Concert Calendar. So with that information, you can see where the monkeys are going to be monkeying around near you. So that's great news. And it's a wonderful show. If you haven't seen Mickey and Peter... Please go. It's it's a different dynamic than any Monkeys concert you've ever seen. It almost seems a little bit more personal, as weird as that sounds. No, I think they're just looser and having more fun because this isn't a big organized tour. It's a couple of one-off dates, so the, the looseness is evitable on stage. And you caught the show in California, so you're definitely speaking from experience. Yeah, it was great. It's worth it just for the acoustics. Huh? Agreed. Well... Here's an interview that we have from Sarah Clark, our Zilch staffer. I'm sure that you saw the clip that Peter and Mickey posted on their social media of the monkeys theme done with Lego toys. You saw this, yes. right? Oh, and as a father of a, a boy who's gotten into Legos, I totally understand the artistry that went into that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, here's Sarah Clark about that clip. So, a few weeks ago, both Mickey and Peter shared the most adorable video on their Facebook pages. It's a stop-motion, shot-for-shot recreation of the monkey's opening credits using Legos, toys, and other fun stuff. Everyone on the Zilch Facebook group and elsewhere in the monkey webs was talking about it. So I decided our listeners needed to find out who was behind this viral sensation. Here with me on the Zilch hotline are the two creators of this video. First, say hello to eight-year-old Dylan Wrights. Hi. And joining him is his dad, Rick. Hello. Thank you for having us. Okay, so we got to ask this first. How did both of you become fans of the Monkees? Well, uh, it started with me, of course. Um, I probably started when I was about Dylan's age. Dylan's grandma, my mother, had more of the Monkees, the, uh, the record, and so I would play that quite a bit. Also, watching the, the reruns of the show, certainly helped. And then I, I did see them on their 20th anniversary tour. So, so all that made me, you know, quite, quite a fan. And then Dylan, for you? Dad told me about it. They made good songs and they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> I agree on both counts. What's the most funny about them, Dylan? They say funny things and uh, they do funny things. I agree with that. Couldn't say it better. I've been looking around your website. I was actually watching it all morning. I, I, like, what does the fox say and some of the other really good ones you've done lately. You've been doing these videos for a while now. How did you two get started? 
Oh, I guess we started about a little over two years ago. Wasn't May 26, it? 2013. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> yes, he's, he's very good with dates and, and ages and years and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Dylan, why don't you tell him what was it that sort of inspired you to start? I saw Lego animations by Michael Hickox, and I thought of trying it on my own. That's okay. right. So what is that? Is that a like a book or a movie? Well, Michael Hickox does Lego animations on YouTube. Oh, cool. So it sounds like we need to check him out, too. So he saw those videos, and then it, he decided he wanted to try it. So we, I hadn't really done anything like that myself. So we sort of trial and error things, and, uh, you know, and he did pretty good out the gate. So he kept doing it. Um, that's not what all, all his videos are, but, but certainly a lot of the ones that he does are, are Lego animations. Yeah, he's got ones with Legos and toys and all kinds of nifty stuff. What made you to decide to do a video of the monkeys? Because I liked it, and because with toys it would look really, really funny, and with stop animation or Lego or animation. It did look really funny. Dylan, one of the things we like to do is I would show him some old videos. Like we'll look at like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton type videos, the, the funny little sequences. And then along as part of that, I showed him the original monkeys opening. And that was where he sort of he really fell in love with that and thought that he might be able to, to do what he ended up doing. Oh, cool. So, Dylan, how do you make a stop motion video? Because it looks like it takes a lot of time. Sometimes I finish it in a few hours, sometimes I finish it in like half an hour, and sometimes I finish it in days. The longest, the one that took longest in actually like doing it straight was five days. I started that one like uh, February something, and then finished it five days later, and I did it each day except one day, but that one took the longest. So how do you do it? How do you make sure that like you move all the Lego pieces or the stuffed animals the right amount each frame? First I take a picture for the start, then I move the Lego guy's legs, like, or if there's just one, you just do it once, and if, uh, if you... Uh, Oh, wait, uh, you just do it, take another pic, uh, then move the legs, take another picture, and then keep going on. Oh, cool. And then how do you turn those, those all those little pictures into a movie? Well, I go onto this website called iMovie, and uh -huh. uh, I put them on it, and then I start editing it with a lot of uh, edits they have there. Okay. Well, not website, but the actual the program we have on our computer. Yeah, that's a neat program. I've messed with it a little bit. So was the monkeys video the one that took you five days to make? No, it was another one I made in February. Okay, how the long did I started it a year ago? But it was tricky for me at the time. Then about a month ago, I felt ready to do it. It took me about fifteen hours when I did it uh each day. I see. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a big investment. You must really enjoy doing those. We, the first three scenes in it, we did last summer. And it was sort of after that, that he kind of felt this was a, a bit much for him. And so we, so we kind of set it aside. And then about a month ago, he sort of saw it on the, the, the board there in iMovie and said, I think I want to do that. And all of a sudden he was totally motivated. And yeah, that Saturday, I think we spent eight hours just on that Saturday, just doing each scene and he would you know figure out where he wanted to to do the next one if it was going to be legos or playmobile or or stuffed animals or we went out you know to the uh, swing set yeah the the swing set was the most interesting one because we spent what about a half hour shooting a scene that was about no, it took us about 15 minutes 15 minutes or so to shoot what was about a, a half second of, of video in the end <laughs> result 
And uh, a few times, all the monkeys fell off the swings. Yeah. Well, like, the, the monkeys actually fell off the swings into the grass. And I was like, oh no! And then I picked them up and put them back on the swing. <laughs> There you go, just trial and error. You've had some videos that have had like several hundred hits, but the two videos of the monkeys theme, because you've got one that's just the Lego, and then the other one that's kind of like picture in picture, comparing it with the theme. Between the two of them, you've gotten almost 15,000 hits as we record today, and it's still going up. What do you think about the kind of the reception it's gotten? I call them views. Can you call them views, please? Views. <laughs> and, yes, uh, sir. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. Very happy that I got a lot of views on both of them. Well, yeah, and Mickey and Peter both uh, shared your video to all of our fans. In fact, that's how I heard about that. Was that pretty cool? Yeah. Nifty. And I see you've had some, uh, it looked like there was a newspaper article and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm very happy when I heard all this stuff. I bet. Hey, and we're going to go see the Monkees in concert in August. August 28th. I know. That is so cool. And you guys are going to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, right? Yes. You obviously got this idea from watching the Monkees TV show. What is your favorite episode of the Monkees TV show and why? I like the ones I watched because they're all really great. Which one is your favorite of all the TV episodes you've watched? Monkey vs. Machine. Oh, that's one of my favorites, too, especially when Mike starts ma making the computer get all confused and start smoking. Yeah. Yeah, after we watched that the first time, I think we're calling each other Mr. What-Not-What for yeah. a while. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I want to hang out at your house. That sounds awesome. Now, what's your favorite monkey song? I love the monkey's theme song because I made it. <laughs> I made the video. You yeah, I made it. I also like This Just Doesn't Seem to Be My Day because I like the tune of it. That's a good one, too. I like that, too. And, yeah, if I had to live with a song long enough to make, like, a Lego music video of it, that might be – that would either be my most favorite song or my least favorite song by the time I was done. So Yeah, it's definitely an earworm in this house of late. <laughs> it, it comes up – even when we're not watching it or, or the video, he's, he's homing it. I bet. <laughs> So if the folks who are listening to this podcast, once they are, you know, not behind the wheel or at their treadmill or wherever they listen to the show, uh, if they want to take a look at their, your videos the next time they're, they're in front of their computers, where should they go? Go to YouTube and search Dylan on Movies. I want to spell Dylan on Movies for you because you might spell it wrong. It's okay. Okay. Uh, try to write it down. D Y L. A N no spaces, okay. R M O V I E S. Awesome, that's perfect. Do you do spelling bee? No, I'm a, I'm only in second grade. I don't do that until like I don't know what grade, like third grade. Well, I, I think we're going to be seeing you on the Spelling Bee Championships in a few years or some sort of championship because you are a really smart kid and a really hard worker. And it was it was a lot of fun watching your video and it was a lot of fun having you on Zilch today. Thank you, too, for uh, dropping by Zilch today. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. We had a pleasure. We enjoyed it. Bye. Wait, Bye. if I met you, I would have gave you a hug. Oh, I would give you a hug, too. We'll have to meet one of these days. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And it's cool hearing all the energy of that young fella. A standing it, it, ovation. <laughs> what a talented kid. <laughs>
it's just really neat because you never know when somebody's going to become a monkeys fan and there's kids out there every day becoming new monkeys fans it just never never seems to end outstanding job yes you know ken you and i are flowing pretty well here together for someone who's never done a radio show before (laughs) (laughs) well we're just groovy man I know. What did you think of the Amazing Records episode with Marty Ross? Oh, it was excellent. My God, it was excellent. And and it has, even though I saw the playlist, there were songs I'd never heard before that you've totally turned me on to. Wow. I did a great job. And Marty's so good. My goodness. Yeah, he is. And it was cool. He just had that guitar and just bang. Or or his keyboards. He's just, you know, you're just speaking to him and all of a sudden he starts playing piano. It's amazing. Oh, I'm so jealous of people like that. Yeah, me too. I have that talent. It's just great. But we're planning on doing some more of those uh don't know where we're they're, they're not going to take the place of zilch but just kind of like an accompany it as you should was nice work yeah it's it's kind of like a side cast i think is what we call it but i was really interested to hear what you and ghosty thought about it in particular so i'm, I'm glad you guys dug it oh very much so great chemistry awesome well speaking of more great chemistry Melanie Mitchell and myself are going to interview fan and friend of the show, Sherry Hansen, who snaps so many cool pics and gets so many clips that we all love on YouTube. Here we go. This is Sherry Hansen, and you are listening to Zilch. And right now on the Zilch Hotline, joining Melanie Mitchell and myself is friend to monkey fans everywhere, Sherry Hansen, how are you doing today, Sherry? Oh, I'm just doing great. Thanks, Ken. And Melanie, hello. (laughs) Hello. We love your photos. You're kind of like the unofficial, official, unofficial monkey photographer as far as I'm concerned because you get the the best shots and it's you let everybody share them and it's just fantastic and it seems like you're lucky to be at so many shows and I can't tell you the the many video clips I've enjoyed of yours on YouTube as well so I I send a big thank you and and I've mentioned you on the show before and we've we've actually played some of your videos on on our show which is weird when you think the fact that we're an audio podcast we've played some of your videos <laughs> but but thank you for all you do for us and welcome to zilch ah well thank you so much Geez, you're going to make me blush <laughs> but i guess it's good it's a podcast cuz nobody can see that <laughs> that's true that's true I I have been very fortunate and with my experiences and being able to make it to so many concerts and events over the years and especially over the last few years. So I'm very grateful for being able to do that too. I think that you and Fred have a friendly competition on who can hang out with the monkeys more. But uh, hi Fred, (laughs) we're sending a shout out there to Fred. We love him. So, Oh, I don't think in any way I could compare to Fred. Fred's been there for everything. Fred's the man. But thank you. So tell us your monkey story. How did you get involved in this wonderful, wacky world of the monkeys? Oh, geez. I feel like I vaguely remember seeing reruns in the 70s, uh-huh. but I, I was too young to really understand it all. It really was the MTV Monkey Marathon and Arista's release of The Then and Now um, that was responsible for me becoming a fan. When I was, uh, it was when I was 12. When 1987 was coming to a close, my family was telling me that 
it was getting a bit ridiculous and that in a year I would be on to something else, but it's lasted <laughs> all these years. <laughs> I think the key for me personally was that the monkey music was there for me during an incredibly difficult time in my life. Mm-hmm. And basically it was the loss of my mother and later the music was there through all the difficult times and it, it really has become a part of who I am now. So I am just grateful that the music was out there for me in the show and uh, just something to redirect myself. Absolutely. So do you have a favorite Monkees album? Like is there one that like is your favorite go-to Monkees album or track even? Yes, definitely Headquarters. Ah, now what is it about Headquarters that makes you just gravitate towards that? I had already owned Then and Now the Best of the Monkees. I had saved my allowance to buy my first Monkeys album. I don't consider, what I consider my first Monkeys album was the first one that I used my money for to purchase. Uh-huh. And I remember my mom taking me to the record store and here I was with all my allowances saved up and I stood in front of that record bin going through the albums trying to decide which one to get. And really, I think most people at that age at age of 12 would have probably picked you know the first album or more of the monkeys but i i was looking at all the others and uh-huh. i picked up headquarters and i re- looked it over and i looked at the back and i really probably only recognized one or two songs on it and i read you know what it said that they recorded it themselves and i knew the history already of, about how there were all the other musicians playing the music on the other albums and I'm like if I'm a true Monkees fan I'm going to buy this album and if I'm a true fan I'm going to like it uh-huh. and and so that was the album I purchased so it's very near and dear to my heart wow excellent Sherry I gotta tell you I attend concerts with no camera at all I know that I need to focus and no pun intended, on the music because I'm <laughs> terrible with a camera and it's an, it's a struggle for me. Um, I don't know how you do it, but when did you start taking <laughs> pictures at concerts? I started taking pictures at my very first concert, which was The Monkees, in wow. 1986. I actually had a camera at every monkey show I've ever attended. I don't always have the greatest pictures from those shows, but I've always felt a need to document what was happening. And over the years, my interest in photography and my desire to get a better image brought me to where I am now, I guess. Excellent. When you're shooting the monkeys or any band, what what do you look for? Because you get such great photos. What to you makes up a great picture of the band? Boy, that's a tough one because there's so many different ways to get a great photo or what, you know, what somebody may consider a great photo. And it's different for everyone. Personally, I love when you capture an incredible lighting moment and an expression. Mm. When you can bring the two together and also give a person who's viewing that image the feeling that they were right there in the front row. That's what I love. And it doesn't always happen. It doesn't happen with every photo. But I love to perhaps take a moment and be able to really share the essence of the moment uh-huh. with with people who weren't able to be there. Well, I'll tell you, you've 
you've taken me to many monkey shows <laughs> just through your photos and your videos now on the video side of things do you have like a specific favorite video that you've captured maybe one we could play for the folks out there you know the music from hmm. you know what funny girlfriend Northfield excellent well let's play that now no problem the just an FYI in case you didn't realize Al Bigley used my recording from that video to use to do for the remix awesome <laughs> yes that is, that is fantastic and uh, Al knows good music when he hears it so <laughs> shout out to Al Bigley we love you brother one of my favorite clips seriously I really enjoy that one it is fantastic now you have a YouTube channel would you like to let people know where they can see your videos sure you can look me up I am funny girlfriend 13 excellent fantastic now was it weird hearing your name being mentioned on zilch and <laughs> and you know not only is your name being heard but we're playing your your audio on the show what did you think of that it was crazy. <laughs> I, it was pretty special getting a call out and a thank you. 
and it felt like it was a great way for people to be able to access my photos and clips. And, and you weren't the first one to use her, her photos. Oh, that's Cherry, true. Cherry, weren't some of your photos used by other people in recent yes, years? Yes, they have been. Tell us about that. When I heard Michael was working on the movies of the mindset, I wondered if they had photos they were going to use or if they needed photos from the tour. So after a lot of thinking, I decided to submit some photos and gave them permission to be used in the set. And it wasn't until actually a friend of mine from Facebook received her set and messaged me with photos that I learned that they were actually used. That is awesome. That had to be thrilling. It was amazing, actually. It was a very exciting moment to be part of uh, part of history with a monkey. My name forever on a piece of their work. And you're you're credited cool. by name in the booklet. Yes, I am. Yes, wow. I am. And then in 2014, John Billings actually contacted me and asked if he could forward a photo I had taken of him and Mickey in Milwaukee to Epiphone for an article. And so I received a publication credit for a photo in an article they did on John on the Monkey Tour. One of my photos was published recently in an article uh, promoting the Hammersmith show mm-hmm. in the publication Get West London. Excellent. Get West. So we don't just see your wonderful pictures on Facebook, but they're appearing in many publications, and so this is fantastic. Just kind of blown up recently, and Mickey's Facebook page and Peter's Facebook page as well as the Monkey's tour page have been using my photos and Mickey's even tweeted a couple and used them on Instagram too. Fantastic. I was on Facebook and Michael Nesmith posted um, or I got a notification that Michael Nesmith changed his profile picture and I clicked on it and I was looking at it and I said, boy, that photo looks familiar and realized it was my photo. And I have no idea where he got it from. Uh, I do wish that it had been color corrected before he used it, but it was quite an honor that it was chosen anyway. Um, I actually couldn't believe it. I'll bet. That's, that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Sherry, you've attended so many shows, seen the monkeys so many different ways with different lineups. Can you just share some of your thoughts, you know, thinking about all the different various lineups that you've seen and even on up to today? Could you give us your thoughts on that? The saying goes, it's all about the timing. Um, Well, I can sit and beat myself up about lost opportunities and forever grateful for those that I've had recently. I could have never predicted the events of the last few years. Davies' death affected me deeply, as it did many others. Mm-hmm. And for me, it really was a wake-up call as to, to try to live without any regret. It really prompted me to think about what I could do that would give me great personal satisfaction and enjoyment. I do miss Davies' presence on stage. However, I had reconciled myself to the idea that I would never see Michael Mesmith live, solo mm-hmm. or with the group. Having both both of those come to fruition filled quite a void for me. 
seeing Michael on stage with Peter and Mickey in Chicago in 2012 for the first time ever compared equally with me seeing Davey, Mickey, and Peter for the first time in 1986 when I was 12. Mm -hmm. Bringing us forward to the current tour, I am always blown away by how fantastic Mickey's vocals are today. And Peter's vocals, I thought in, in Aurelia were the best I think I've ever heard. Mm. I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. Sherry, out of all the various tours that you have seen, do you have a favorite uh, lineup or uh, tour? That's a really tough question because I think they're all unique in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite shows was my very first show in 1986. I had second row and it was amazing. But moving quite a bit forward, uh, one of my other favorite shows was actually Davey's last show in Milwaukee as a monkey before he passed and for those who were in attendance of that show one thing that a lot of people don't know a lot of the fans don't know out there is that the last image that we all have of Davey live from that show was that he picked Peter up and threw him over over his shoulder and carried him off stage oh my god <laughs> and it was just I mean fast forward to when Davey passes and you start thinking about that moment and it was just amazing to have witnessed it just wow. so there's really mo I can't say that there's necessarily favorite tours because I think there's something special about each one yes. but it's, it's more about those special moments um, like Tulsa <laughs> when I captured the butt, you know, butt slap. Uh, and Davey carrying Peter off stage. I mean, uh -huh. just something, just something yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. And actually, fast forward to today and in Aurelia, when Peter and Mickey embraced on stage right before mm -hmm. they kicked off the show. Oh, that was, that was incredible. The, 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 the first night, because there were the two shows, one right after the other on consecutive nights. And on the first night, they did a little bit where they walked past each other trying to do a high five and missed and kept going. Yeah. And then when they did the exact same thing the next night, you thought, well, there they go again. They're going to miss and keep, you know, walk past each other. And instead of doing that, they hooked arms and spun each other around and then hugged each other. <laughs> oh, it was so it was beautiful. And I wasn't, here I was, ready to take pictures, and I, I'm like, oh, I got the wrong ones on for this. I can't get a close, I, I had my wide angle on and not my telephoto, but I captured it. Yeah. You got the hug. Yeah. <laughs> I caught the hug. Excellent. Sherry, one of my um, favorite videos of yours is one that's probably, it's not one we can play on the show because it's not the sound that's so much fun, but it happens, um... I think in 2013 at the concert in Tulsa, when in the middle of um, the song Papa Jean's Blues, for some reason that I I don't know why it happened, but you wandered away from Nez and started filming what Mickey was doing instead, and it it ended up being something that's a little bit infamous. So I was just wondering what inspired you to follow Mickey across the stage when he wandered over towards Peter. Please fill us and our listeners in on something called the infamous Tulsa butt slap incident. Sure can. Well, I was videotaping the song and 
obviously was on Nez, and Nez called Wayne Avers up. There, you know, there was a break in the song where it was going to be guitar, mm-hmm. and I noticed that Mickey was walking over to Peter, and I just felt compelled to stop, halt, and move with him. <laughs> I, I can't explain it, um, but there are many people out there who are, shall I say, grateful that I captured the moment forever. <laughs> Uh, I don't even think that as I was videotaping it that I could take in what was really happening at the moment. It was a few days after I returned home. Basically, people started talking about it in one of the on one of the pages, and I thought for a moment, and I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember that happening. I I think I have video of that, <laughs> and I went through, and I I was actually shocked that I had gotten it. I for a moment just blanked out that I had even captured it, not even thinking twice about it, I guess. So, um, our friend, our friend Sarah yeah. Clark was in the audience that day, and I remember on Tumblr that exploded the next morning with, oh my God, I heard that Mickey slapped Peter's butt in the middle of the concert. <laughs> Did anybody get video of this? Yours is the only video I've ever seen of it, but he sure did. (laughs) Yeah, and I wish it was actually better than it is, clearer, but it is what it is, and it looks like it's perhaps the only one out there of it, so I'm I'm glad I could be of help. (laughs) It was a really sweet moment that, that, you know, not just the, the butt slap, but the whole, you know, pounding on Peter's arm with the maracas and clearly they were sharing a, a joke between them. It was a lot of fun. And then when Peter kind of tells Mickey to just back off, it, it was very funny. <laughs> Pushes him very away, funny. but he's laughing. Yes, yes. Peter's face on that is just hilarious, actually. I, I, it's like he's got these flirty, funny eyes and and then he's like pushing them away. I That's probably one of my favorite parts of it was Peter's <laughs> You face after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly enjoy the attention. Have the attitude of venues or bands changed about photography? I mean, I remember when the, the rule was, you know, thou shalt not take pictures at all, period, end of sentence. Um, but it seems like everyone does. Yeah, Every- and especially with, especially with, you know, how good cell phones are these days really changed everything and even small compact cameras I would say the venues usually always have the rules um, make it their policy but they uphold it a lot of times based on what the artists want Mm. other times they uphold their policy no matter what so you really got to kind of test the waters to see what the attitude is going to be for instance before I saw the monkeys in Tulsa, I went to the same venue in November of 2012. Uh, my friend and I did the Monkees in Chicago, and then she had tickets to see Eddie Vedder at the Brady Theater in Tulsa. So we made a, week, a weekend trip of it. And the Brady Theater was just relentless about stopping everybody from any video or photos, they were kicking people straight out and taking stuff away. It was just amazing. So I was really scared, uh, and I didn't really know what to expect 
when I went to go see the monkeys in Tulsa. And it was basically like the complete opposite. So it had to be, I believe the venue enforced it for Eddie Vedder. And I believe the monkeys must have told them, you know, it's okay. But there are other times where we all know the monkeys say, go ahead, you know, we don't mind. And Peter's announced it at shows and the venues still crack down. Mm-hmm. So, so the best I can say is, uh, before you pull out your good camera, uh, maybe test the waters with your phone and see what happens first. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's good advice. But then a lot of times they'll say no pro cameras. So what they right. mean by pro camera is nothing with an interchangeable lens, which is, for example, what I use. Yes. Now, how many photos would you say that you've shot of the boys since you've been, uh, you know, oh taking gosh. pictures? How many w- would you imagine? Because I know, what was it? Just through the two concerts, there was like 4,500 photos, right? What? Wait, wasn't that yeah, just Canada? Yeah, it was between, I think it was about 3,600, yeah, 3,600 images from uh, Aurelia alone. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So it, so so let's just go crazy. Let's say 2,000 images per concert. We'll just, you know, rounding out, just kind of just... And and how many times have you seen them in concert? Well, gosh. Ooh, let's see here. Solo and? Sure. Group-wise, I think I'm at about 14 group shows and 21 solo shows. That's a hell of a lot of pictures. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's a lot of photographs. Wow. Some of those were with a film camera, though. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and actually, I have have monkeys photos on every format from Polaroid to digital, except for disc film. That's the only format I don't have them on. I have them on Polaroid, 110, uh, 35mm, APS, and digital. Well, do you have them on 33 and a third? That's the important question. Of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) What do you look forward to as far as the monkeys in the coming year? I mean, the 50th anniversary is coming up. What would you like to see happen? (laughs) I would love to see Nez rejoin Mickey and Peter for some some 50th anniversary events. That would be fantastic. That would absolutely be fantastic. Well, Sherry, I'd like to thank you for being on Zilch today, and it is a pleasure to always see new monkeys photographs come through on Facebook. I personally want to thank you for all the hard work that you've done, and it's just fantastic to see your your videos and your photos, and and thank you so much from all of us here at Zilch. We all enjoy them. Well, thank you so much. I just have always wanted to be able to share the pictures and the video with people who haven't been able to make it to the shows. Not everybody is able to go, and I know a lot of people wish they could and and just can't make it. I've made a lot of amazing friendships through the monkey fandom that are among the best friendships I've ever had in my entire life. Whatever I have that I can give back to everyone, all my all my friends, I that's really what I want to do. Well, thank you for taking us along and letting us see the monkeys through your eyes. Thanks so much, Ken and Melanie.
Thank you for having me on the show. It was an honor. Thank you. Well, the honor is all ours. Oh, that was so cool. You know, to have someone who spends the time to get all these clips, to get all these pictures online, hats off to you. Congratulations. It's great to have another member of the monkey army. Oh, wait. No. (laughs) Take that back. Can't make a kiss reference on a monkey's podcast or I will be shunned forever. Great to have a a monkey's fan take the time to do it right. (laughs) And, you know, you you mentioned uh, kiss, my my beloved kiss. Recently, there was the Scooby-Doo and Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery DVD and Blu-ray that came out and somebody on the Zilch Facebook page was mentioning wouldn't it be cool if something could be done like that with the monkeys and of course there was the Davy Jones episode where uh, Davy was on Scooby-Doo I'll play a couple lines from that now What do we do? You beast the heck out of me I've got it Davy You could sing for him Sing him a song? He's a moat monster, not an agent. They say music soothes the savage beast. But I've never sung for frogs before, just monkeys. Go on, it's worth a try. Okay, here goes. I know a place where I am going, and the place where I am going is just around the bend. And you know there's a lot that I can show you And if you want to go there, I can get you in Would you be interested as as a fan now if, like, let's say Peter and Mickey and Mike were to do voices and they, they got somebody to do Davy's voice, would you be interested in some new animated monkeys? Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Adventures? Oh, listen, any time that you can recapture the three of those guys in a room, that'd be great. Yeah. The weird thing is, is that Eventually, it could happen. I don't know if we're ready as a as a monkey's culture to deal with that. You know, there was a time when that could have happened, but sadly, with Davy's passing, I don't know how everyone would react to it. But I would hope that they would enjoy the spirit of it, if nothing else. Well, it's it's that or nothing, and yeah. that's why I always kind of look at it. Yeah, and it's weird because the monkeys really were a live action cartoon. <laughs> So <laughs> very much so. If the Beatles could have it done, why not the monkeys? So well, it's always been a complaint, and I think I even mentioned it in my interview with Mickey. Is that the monkeys for eighteen, nineteen minutes of the episode was their camaraderie and improvisation, and them screwing around, having a great time against the bad guys, and then the other six minutes was the music. But right. it's mostly been focused on the music for the last forty years. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And speaking of the music, a lot of people have been hoping that we would get back to discussing the albums well i have an announcement to make on the next episode of zilch zilch episode 37 will be side one of pisces aquarius capricorn and jones yes we are doing a round table i just love the round table when you guys start going at each other over whether a song (laughs) is great or not it is so damn entertaining well i we've got a lot of well thank you we, we've got a lot of requests for this, and, and I'm, I'm glad that we finally are back at it. Sadly, I wanted to include you, Ghosty, and Melinda Gildart, and a few other people, but... You get too many people in the room, there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Well, it also works out to getting everybody at the table at the same time kind of thing. Sure. And I'm going to have you, Jeff Geringer, and Ghosty give your opinion on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones that we will air very soon. 
But for now, Melinda Gildart gives us her review on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Take it away, Melinda. Hi, I'm Melinda Gildard, and here's my review of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. The uh, Monkees' fourth album, or as some would call it, their sophomore effort, being it was the second album that they were allowed to put out on their own. Overall, Pisces is hands down my favorite Monkees album. It was number one for four weeks, just like Headquarters. It was knocked out of that number one spot by a Beatles album, where Sgt. Pepper knocked Headquarters out of the number one spot, Magical Mystery Tour, dethroned Pisces uh, from being number one. So that's an interesting tidbit. Um, But as Mike Nesmith said, this is the album that caught it all. There's just so many different sounds, genres, and it just makes for a great record. I think that this is one of the best pop records ever by any artist, and I play it just consistently. The first track on Pisces is Salesman. Short lifespan, good time salesman. Yep, yep, salesman, boy on the street, whether it's hot or cold, it's salesman. That's a track written by Craig Vincent Smith, and he worked with Mike Nesmith before and his group Penny Arcade. And Mike takes lead vocal on this one. This is his first of the five tracks that he sang a lead on, on Pisces and you know, as you recall, this is the one that was included in the Devil and Peter Tork episode. Um, and we know that NBC held back the airing of that episode for several months because of the supposed drug references in Salesman. Once you put the record on, you notice something that's different right off the bat. This is, you know, obviously a subject that the monkeys hadn't touched on before. And, you know, it told me that I was in for a treat, that Pisces is going to give me something very different. Um, so, you know, Mike sings about this good time salesman and, you know, the, the lines, you're sailing so high and pushing secret goods. And so, you know, the, the listener knows that this person is not a normal salesman, that we're talking about him selling maybe some, you know, questionable items here. Um, but, you know, overall, this guy's a drug dealer and, and it's just really interesting to hear the monkey singing about a subject such as this. And, in addition, I think it inspired some records in, in later decades. There was uh, Push Your Man by Curtis Mayfield in the 70s for the Superfly tra- soundtrack and also Dope Man uh, in the 80s by N.W.A., uh, the rap group. Um, so where we had a little bit more character development uh, in the later songs, you know, the monkeys were really at the forefront of this and they were able to uh, present this, um, I think, to the mainstream. You know, the drug use was becoming more prevalent in society and more public. And the monkeys were right there. So, uh, you know, it's a great track overall musically. I just loved it. I think it's it's a great track. I wouldn't have chosen it as the lead-off track, but it's a great track all in all. So the second track is She Hangs Out. You know, one of my favorite tracks by the monkeys overall. It's a remake of the Jeff Berry original and Don Kirshner sanctioned record that Davey recorded. Uh, among some others in New York, uh, without the rest of the monkeys. Um, so to say that you know this is an improvement over the original, I think is an you know a vast understatement. You know it's literally a hundred times better than the original. Um, I love the alternate version even more with Davy kind of riffing into infinity and uh, you know the engineer Hank Sakalo coming on and, and signaling his approval on how the track turned out. You know I love it when he says that it was you know pretty good. 
Again, it's 100 times better than the original. It has a funkier bass line, groovier drums. You know, the horns are perfect. And the video, I think, uh, you know, just escalates uh, the song. You know, when you see Davey dancing his way even further into the hearts of teenage girls, you know, it's just great. Um, this is the first of what I call uh, Davey's grown-ass man songs because, you know, of his sneering and, you know, the raunchy delivery. You know, it's just fantastic. So with all those good things being said about She Hangs Out, there are, you know, there's the flip side um, where you get the lyrics. If you really listen to the lyrics, Davey's asking, how would you say your sister was? And, you know, what other conclusion can you turn to as far as Davey could possibly be speaking to an underage girl here? So it's a little creepy. You know, he's telling his his friend uh, that, you know, he better get down here to, you know, pick up his little sister pretty much because she's she may find herself in a little trouble. Um, so he, he's telling, you know, his friend that, you know, the older brother or older sister that your little sister ain't so innocent anymore. You know, and it's even weirder that this song was co-written by a woman. So, again, it's a little creepy, but, you know, everything else works. You know, musically, you know, it's just a fabulous production. Davey's voice, his delivery is great. You know, the possible perviness in the song is hidden by all those do they run, run, they do they run, runs. Um, but, you know, with the possible perviness aside, it, it's still a great song. The third track on Pisces is The Door to Summer. Dawn to Summer is not only the best track on Pisces, it's to me one of the best tracks ever made. It's a little bit overdramatic there, but I would stand by that assertion. And, you know, I think that it just works. Everything in this song just works. The music, the lyrics, the production. This is a masterpiece. It's, you know, it's the best harmony duo that the Monkees had with Mickey and Mike. It's pure magic. And, you know, without getting teary-eyed, I'm going to continue. But, you know, uh, the lyrics to harmony, uh, I love Peter's keyboard, you know, Chip's bass, and the intro. I love the intro, um, even though it has me cussing like no tomorrow, um, because I'm a novice at guitar and I'm still trying to learn to play that intro. Um, but it also reminds me of a, the coolest circus calliope. You know, I'm so serious. It, it really does. And, you know, we'll, we'll come back to that later. But, you know, Mickey and Mike's harmony just makes me want to light up a cigarette after I finish playing it. It's, it's just that good and I don't even smoke. So, you know, everyone knows the song is based on a sci-fi novel and all that. It's about greed and, you know, has the anti-war uh, references. But, you know, you know, we get the gist that this guy is a total asshole. And, you know, he profited off the war and, you know, he has all this ill-gotten gain. And um, now he's starting to regret it. So, you know, it's interesting that now, you know, we've had the decadent 80s and the dot-com 90s, and, you know, now we're living in the age of the one percenters that, you know, the lyrics are just as relevant today as they were back in 1967. Um, so I love that, that I can listen to this record and, you know, it, it doesn't miss a beat. It has stood the test of time. And, you know, with the chorus, again, you know, the references to the caravan of circus wagons and the penny whistles, you know, it's just really fun, even though there's just, you know, sort of this uh, serious subject matter. Um, but it's definitely a song that proves the monkeys were not fake and that, you know, this lasting quality uh, really makes, you know, the most of the, uh, the album. So it's a great track, best track on the album. Sweet young face looked old And I whispered sometimes love is only sleeping Love is Only Sleeping, um, that's a track written by Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. And this 
duo together or and either individually or with other writers, you know, they have a massive discography of songs that they've written uh, for dozens of other artists and a number of them being R&B artists. You know, I, I didn't know prior to this that they had pen tunes for Aretha Franklin and Lionel Richie and Shaka Khan and yes, even Michael Bolton, <laughs> but also Ziggy Marley and Sheena Easton and uh, even some country artists like Martina McBride. So that was really interesting. And they even crafted the theme for the TV show, The Farmer's Daughter. And I think we discussed that in one of the early Zilch episodes that Davey had a guest spot on The Farmer's Daughter and was saying, of all things, I'm going to buy me a dog. So, you know, that's an interesting connection there. Um, so Love is Only Sleeping, you know, has a great opening guitar riff. You know, I love Mike's vocals on there. And, you know, some people call it a psychedelic rocker, but, you know, I get kind of a blues vibe also. So I think it's a great track, um, but I probably would have, stayed with Going Down to appear on the album over Love Is Only Sleeping. And I think it's a no-brainer that they, you know, prefer Daydream Believer over it uh, for the single, but they could have made it the B-side of Daydream versus Going Down and had Going Down appear on the album. I think that would have been a better choice. And if I had to rename the song, I probably would have called it the Settlement Song. And that's because you have a woman, you know, who's disheartened and disillusioned, turned off by love and She's pretty much settling for this this poor sap who's willing to just take her, you know, for, you know, what it is and, and just, you know, be with someone who doesn't care for him in the same way. Um, you know, she's looking for Channing Tatum and she's, you know, shacked up with Jonah Hill. So, um, you know, I, I call it the settlement song. But if you ever want to hear the flip side, the female perspective that I would say, check out the synthesizer crazy. I don't want to fall in love. Remember that tune by Jane Child? You know, it's it's a great track. But overall... Uh, Love is Only Sleeping is a good track. You know, I, I probably would have preferred going down to appear on the album versus this tune, but um, I could still recommend it. It's, you know, it's a great track. You're not the only cuddly toy that was ever enjoyed by Now, Cuddly Toy. Cuddly Toy is a fun and happy and bouncy, you know, song. You know, the video has... You know, the guys looking, uh, you know, like a barbershop quartet and, you know, it's just really fun and Davey's dancing and, you know, they're playing around. And if you didn't know any better, you would swear that, you know, everyone was just having a good time and it was all happy and, and smiles. But um, once you listen to the lyrics, you realize that, oh, she hangs out. That was pretty tame compared to this. You know, we just had, you know, uh, a little creepiness, but Cuddly Toy kind of, you know, kind of takes it to the other level. It's a brilliantly produced song. Uh, again, another great vocal performance by Davey, you know, who's you know, transitioning to Broadway rock, which started with I Can't Get You Off My Mind from Headquarters. You know, there's this, you know, again, the harmonious you know, quartet feel with Mickey and Peter and Chip on um, backing vocals. You know, the song starts out, you know, singing la la la, all is right with the world. And again, you know, you, you listen to the lyrics. We have innocent little Davey here, you know taking a random girl to bed and immediately discarding her after the deal is sealed. So, you know, it's, again, it's something we haven't heard from, you know, the guys before and it definitely not from Davey who was, you know, the day we fall in love. And so now we, you know, we transitioned a couple of years and, and here we are now with Cuddly Toy. Um, but contrary to some writings I've I read about this song, it's not about a gang rape. You know, the lyrics just don't support that synopsis. Um, it's just about a woman who's not that choosy over her sexual partners. And, you know, Davey is just a guy who, um, he, you know, had his fun and now he's pretty much over it. 
So, um, you know, it's not it's not about a gang rape. It's you know mutually consensual exchange, but and not not altogether positive one. Um, again, it, it's a great tune, though. You just can't get that melody out of your head. And, you know, my favorite version of this is actually a solo concert that Davey had in Japan in 1981, you know, with all these tween girls. And they're just screaming his name during, during every break throughout the entire song from the start to the finish. You're not the only You know, it's just amazing. It's cool, but at the same time, it's like, wow, that's just a little creepy. You know, this is one that totally went over the heads of parents and obviously NBC because they were more concerned about the boy saying hell on television back in 1967 versus a guy saying you're not the kind of girl to tell your mother the kind of company you keep. I mean, I don't know what that was about, but, you know, somebody definitely wasn't paying attention there. Um, and if you fast forward, let's say 24 years, uh, you'll hear somewhat of a version by Ice Cube, you know, the rapper who we now know from there, you know, the Are We There Yet movies. Well, he penned a tune that was called Giving Up the Nappy Dugout, which pretty much has him in the same scenario as Davey, but he's actually telling the father of this neighborhood, quote unquote, girl, just how promiscuous she is and, and that, you know, this, uh, this poor sap, you know, poor father, he has no idea that his private school pride and joy is is um, just as out there as uh, you know some of the other girls are. So, you know, times haven't changed that much, but uh, I would definitely recommend Cuddly Toy. It's, you know, definitely one of the best tracks on the album. Now we have words. Words is magnificent. It, it really is. And I think that aside from Door to Summer, Words uh, could possibly be, you know, one of the best songs on the album. Um, it's a psychedelic tune. It's definitely one of the best vocal performances from the group. I love Mike and uh, Mickey and Peter dueling it out on, on the lead vocals. Chip on bass and, and Eddie Ho's drumming is killer. Uh, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. It's uh, one of Monkey's highest charting B-sides, hitting number 11 um, as the flip side of Pleasant Valley. Um, and it's just fantastic. You know, it's almost like the girl, you know, from Cuddly Toys getting a little bit of revenge here because now she's torturing the hell out of uh, Mickey and Peter. Um, you know, where Peter's saying, loving you, girls, just like dying. And, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> you know, I feel like dying. And it's just fantastic. Hey, she's she's getting some revenge there. Um, but this was a song that was also recorded originally during the more of the monkeys um, sessions and it was rejected from the album. So could you possibly imagine more of the monkeys album with words on it instead of the day we fall in love? Um, I think that would have you know been great. Um, so again, words is not a love song, but I think it's it's you know it's fantastic and it doesn't vary too much from the original. Um, you know, not like she hangs out or Valerie from the birds, bees and the monkeys. Uh, so this one probably could have just been slotted in the way it was. I, I think people would have loved it just the same. 
Um, if it was released as a single, as A side, I think it would have gone even higher than number 11. But um, it's definitely one that uh, one would play, you know, regardless of whether you're a true Monkees fan or not. Um, and the video was fantastic because it showed the guys in their original or their intended lineup. You had Mickey out front on vocals, you know, showing some swagger and Peter on guitar, you know, showing his usual emotion and Davey on drums and Mike on bass. Um, I love Davey's childlike fascination with the chimes. It was completely adorable, um, but it just worked. I, I think that, you know, it shows that had the group been allowed to form or configure themselves in that manner, it would have still worked. We would have had the same success. It's hard to believe that you could ever doubt. Hard to believe is a song co-written by Davy Jones and some of the members of the Sundowners, uh, the opening act for the Monkees, and uh, Charlie Rocket. You know, this is a bossa nova tune. You know, it's it's a little dated, um, but it's a great track overall. Uh, I was really surprised uh, to hear, you know, that Davy had been a part of writing this tune. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely one of his better ballads. Um, I think that his vocal performance is, is great. You know, he put a lot of heart into it. You could tell that he was really giving his all on it. And I think that it, it shows. Um, is it a little out of place on Pisces? Maybe. Um, especially to open up side two after side one ending with words. Um, you would maybe expect more of a punch. And I probably would have switched out what am I doing hanging around with Hard to Believe, um, just to sort of continue that uh, that level of enthusiasm. Um, it, it's hard to believe opening up the second side um, is a little bit of a letdown. Um, but overall, I, I like the tune. It, I love Davey's performance. Um, the outro rocks for me. I, I love the outro and, you know, you just can't help but, you know, just kind of rock with it as, as the song is going off. Um, so it's, it's a great tune, a little dated, but um, you know, it's a great first effort for Davey as far as I'm concerned. What am I doing hanging around? I should be on that train and gone. What am I doing hanging around? I can't help but like this record. I may lose a little bit of cool points, you know, a little street cred for singing this in my car as I'm pulling up to the stoplight, but you know, I don't care. I, I think it's a great record. Um, it has, you know, musically, you know, lyrically, uh, Michael Martin Murphy and Owen Castle um, writing this and with Mike Nesmith taking lead vocal, you know, everything works again. You know, that's, that's something that, you know, we're saying over and over on, you know, for this album, that everything just worked. And that's because I think of the production that Chip Douglas put into it. But uh, my favorite version of why I'm, what am I doing hanging around probably is the performance that Peter, Mickey and Davey had. Um, and I can't remember what the, what the show was, but they sang it um, and it, they had acoustic guitar. And that was just the best version for me, even though I do love Mike's vocals here on the release track. But um, I love the acoustic version with those three and the harmony that they had a little bit better. But overall, you know, it's definitely a great tune. And it appeared in the episode, uh, the Monkeys in Mexico episode. And I don't think there's any other song in a Monkeys catalog that could have slotted in to that romp at the end of the episode. Like, what am I doing hanging around? It just fit perfectly, you know, other than the, you know, the sort of editing 
blurts with Mickey's hair straight one for the episode and then curly in the video. But other than that, uh, it was fantastic. Peter Percival Patterson's Pet Pig Porky. Peter Percival Patterson's Pet Pig Porky. It's definitely not zilch, but I think it's cute. Uh, I would have preferred them to continue on that uh, line of thinking as with Zilch, that all four of them are a part of this and, you know, just kicking back and, and letting loose and, you know, doing something silly. Um, with Peter by itself, it's just a little annoying. And I have to say, I skip it uh, as much as I, I think some of the other guys skip Band 6 from headquarters. But now this is not one of my favorite novelty, you know, exercises by the group. So we can move on from there. <laughs> Um, with Pleasant Valley Sunday, we have uh, another stellar song from Goffin and King. You know, I think that this tune is the one that gets the most airplay besides maybe I'm a Believer, Daydream Believer on, you know, those oldie stations. You know, they always put on Pleasant Valley Sunday and it's a great tune. Yes, it, it deals with suburbia and, and sort of the mundaneness and that's fine. Um, I, I just would not rate it as high as words or, or during the summer it, you know it's definitely a stellar track absolutely it's written it's greatly written it's it's fantastically produced um the opening guitar riff mike kills it you know everything works it's just that it's not one that i put on uh, that i turn on with my playlist and, and in the car and, and you know when i'm you know just want to listen to some monkey music you know of course i don't skip it when i listen to the entire album but I guess it's just maybe from a little bit over exposure, but it's definitely one of Goffin and King's uh, stellar tracks. And, and Mickey has a fantastic vocal on it. I love Mike's harmony. I love, you know, Davey's, you know, harmony, uh, the background background vocals. And I love, you know, Peter's keyboard. You know, it, it's fantastic. And it just shows what they can accomplish when, you know, when they work together as a group. It's, it's just fantastic. And, you know, I wish that they had done more of that, uh, where all four of them uh, really put their heads together. Well, I would say five of them, with Chip being the fifth monkey. Uh, when the five of them put their heads together, this is what they can accomplish. It's, it's superb. Daily Nightly is a song written by Michael Nesmith. And it's based on those Sunset Strip riots uh, back in late 1966. You know, the guys, you know, they showed an interview on the show. I think it was on the Monkeys in the Ring uh, after they filmed the Monkeys in the Ring episode. Um, and they gave their opinions on what actually happened. You know, Mickey was very sure that it wasn't a riot. It was a demonstration. And, and Peter gave his input and Mike gave his. And, you know, it's, it's a subject that spawned some other protest songs. Uh, for what it's worth, by Buffalo Springfield, uh, I think Frank Zappa had uh, say, uh, had a song, and "Safe in My Garden" by the Mamas and the Papas. Um, so this is one that had you know the imagery in it, and to read it line by line, you know, you're absolutely not going to be able to say, "Oh, Mike's referring to this part of the riot or this follow-up or whatever." You're not going to be able to do that. Um, but I think what escalates daily, nightly. Uh, seriously, it's the music, uh, the bass line, the, the melody, and absolutely the Moog, uh, the Moog synthesizer. Um, the Moog, you know, with Mickey playing it and, you know, sort of just creatively, you know, not necessarily to any, you know, set of, you know, 
musical notes or anything. He's just, you know, he's pouring his heart into this and it shows. And I don't think anyone else could have walked into that situation and done a better job. Like I said, it definitely escalates the record for me. The video, you know, filmed in black and white, with, you know, Peter, you know, screwing around with the cables like it was a, you know, hookah cables, uh, hookah pipes and, and, you know, Davey with the air drums and Mike just kind of sitting back, you know, stoically. And it's just fantastic. Um, I love Daily Nightly. Do I know line by line what the hell it means? Absolutely not. Do I care? Absolutely not. All I know is that this is one of the top tracks on Pisces and one that has not been forgotten and one that people uh, often refer to. And that's because the guys just did a great job on it. I do love the imagery. I love, I love everything, including the video. Don't call me when you feel Now, with Don't Call On Me, I would have to say, um, even before Love Is Only Sleeping gets the boot, I probably would have booted Don't Call On Me. And I know some Michael Nesmith fans may hate me for that, but it's just not one of his best. And, you know, I love the intro. It's fantastic. You know, the imagery that you get, you have this, you know, it conjures up this smoky cocktail lounge in the sky and the boys are kicking back and having drinks and enjoying the ambiance. And, you know, and then Mike is singing, you know, it's nothing against his vocal performance. That's fantastic as always. You know, it's just a broody ballad that kind of falls short for me. You know, I listened to it in the course of listening to the entire album. And, you know, it's just one that I have never called up individually on my playlist. So, um, I just don't think it's Mike's best ballad where, you know, Nine Times Blue obviously takes that crown for me. But I just tried to reason with why I don't like the song more. And to be honest, it's just a little bit boring to me. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, especially in the context of the album, you know, being surrounded by all these classic memorable uh, songs. It, it's just not up to par to me. I think that it could have been worked a little bit better. Um, you know, I think that you know, it, it just could have been, <sighs> I don't know, you know, it, you know, again, I'm, I'm still trying to reason why I don't like the song more. Um, so maybe there's just no reason to it. It's just not one of my favorites. But I thought it was interesting also, you know, Mickey's reference to being in the pump room at the Palmer House Hotel, which, you know, everyone in Chicago know that that's geographically impossible with the pump room being, you know, uh, on the Chicago Gold Coast near where the Playboy Mansion was. And, um, but the Palmer House Hotel is literally miles away in downtown Chicago. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just weird. Uh, that was just a funny reference to me when I first heard it. I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's, that, that can't be. And, and just a note on the Palmer House Hotel uh, that when the time that this album came out, they were actually on the third incarnation of that hotel. And the first one was literally only open for 13 days before it burned to the ground in the Great Chicago Fire. So that's interesting also that they would pretend to be in a hotel that, you know, was burned to a crisp in previous incarnations. That's that's my take on Don't Call On Me. It's not really memorable for me. And so the last track on Pisces is Star Collector. And for a closer, it knocks it out of the park. Um, this is the second Goffin and King creation on Pisces. And... You know, it's arguably the first anti-groupie rock record. Uh, you know, you had the Stones, Star Star. Uh, in later years, you had um, other songs from, you know, Kanye West, you know, with Gold Diggers. And, you know, you had, you know, other songs that, that touched on, you know, the groupie phenomenon or the Gold Digger phenomenon. 
Um, but, you know, the monkeys did it first. You know, it, it's the lyrics, you know, they're, they're a little bit harsh, but hey, we've already been through She Hangs Out and, and Cuddly Toy. So uh, Star Collector, you know, is, is a little bit lighter to me than the others um, because this girl is coming into it. She knows exactly what she's doing there. You know, there should be any expectations there. But I absolutely love uh, Mickey's hello and outro bye-byes. You know, I think that's a nice little touch on, on the songs. And, you know, the jam session at the end, Eddie Ho goes ape shit on the drums and, you know, with the guys. And, you know, it, it's just killer at the end. Definitely the best send off for an album. I agree with Peter that Paul Beaver's Mo here doesn't stand up to Mickey's on Daily Nightly. But in this situation, maybe they needed more of a, a classical approach to it. The opening line to Star Collector, you know, when Davey, you know, he just right off the bat just starts laying into this girl. <laughs> and then, you know, didn't say I'll give her my autograph and then tell her it's been nice knowing you, you know, where he kind of, you know, squeezes that out and, you know, he kind of airs that out. It's been nice knowing you. That's just, it's, I, it's just perfect for the, for the lyrics and his delivery is just spot on. Um, so I love Star Collector. It's definitely um, a go-to tune for mine. Um, and Star Collector overall, I think, also has stood the test of time. Like I said, with Kanye West and his song Go Diggers. And, you know, everything just works on this record also with the music and the lyrics and the delivery. I said Mickey's playfulness, it all comes together to make a perfect ending to what I call the perfect album. Thanks a lot. And that was Melinda Gildart with her interpretation and review of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. What do you think about that? A great educated monkeys fan. The woman knows her stuff. Indeed. And you know, it's great that we have so many wonderful, educated, and opinionated monkeys fans. Not just on the show, but on our Facebook page as well. So let us know what you think about the show and any ideas you have for future episodes, let us know as well. You can email us at zilchmonkeys at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Do a search for Zilch and we will come up. Right, Jeff? You got it. So the next episode, we return with our round table of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. And make your appointment in front of your computer now because... Things are going to fly. <laughs> well, speaking of flying, it's time for us to fly out of here. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Time to get into the monkey copter and take off. Listen, thanks to Jeff, number one, and Craig, and Melanie, and Sarah, and all the great staff. Thanks for sitting in. I, I've enjoyed being a two-man team with you, Ken. Yeah, this is the first time it's just been you and I, so it's been kind of fun. Very good. Always great to have you on the show, sir. Monkeys forever. That's right. Peace and love, peace and love. Be nice to someone and never forget to take some time to monkey around. You ready? I'm ready. Here we come. Oh, you're shutting up, Ken. You're setting me up. Walking down the street. We get get the the funniest funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, that was pretty good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Two shows on Saturday. Enjoy the veal. Be nice to waitresses. <laughs> Tip your waitresses, but it's not over. Right. <laughs> and that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. 
Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the Monkees or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burr. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Here, let me uh, make sure I'm saying this properly. Now, that was excellent. Thank you. Your diction impeccable. Yes, agreed. All right. And we're back. No, uh, can I get a level real Sure, good morning. Ken okay. and Jeff in the morning. Coming Ken at you. 22 minutes past the hour on a beautiful Saturday morning. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, the the worst morning zoo, the the, the worst looking the simian zoo. zoo, the simian zoo. That oh, that was the intro. I I think so. Okay, and it was perfect. I'm so sorry. That is so cool. Thank you for letting us share that with the rest of the zilch heads, the the, the zilch army out there. <laughs> no, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> no, you can't. You'll start a revolt. <laughs> So I'm going to have you and Ghosty give your opinions on Pisces. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Why can't I say that? <clears throat> okay. And with that familiar music, you're listening to Zilch. <laughs> Isn't that dumb?